first Sunday in January, it's, it's the, the start of the year. As I get to the new year each time in my life, I, I'm always full of good intentions. Is that thing staying up there? Okay, good. Um, I heard on Way FM this week, some of you might have heard it, one of the, the, I don't know if you call them disc jockeys or whatever they are, the radio guys, and he said that he was going to open a, a gym in January called Resolution. For January, it was Resolution. The first of February was going to be a pizza place. So, you know, you kind of got that idea of you know, that's what we do. And, and uh, it always seems like we start the first of the year and we want to, we have these, these great ideas, fresh start. We're going to put aside the things that, that didn't work in 2019 or maybe ever. And we're going to pretend like we're going to have these new attitudes and we're going to just kind of step into a world and it's going to be the new us. And as we head out the door, uh, some things start start to happen. I look through all kinds of resolutions. There's, you know, the website is an interesting thing, but uh, I found some of them, uh, and it's not to discourage you, but it just kind of was interesting to me. I looked through, and, and many talked about getting in better shape, but as they said that, they were going to do that slowly. I thought that was kind of interesting. Others talked about paying off their debt by opening another credit card to pay off the other one. Others talked about not hanging, I like this one, not hanging out with annoying people, or at least not letting themselves like them for the year of 2020. I guess I thought that was funnier than you did. And then uh, others talked about losing weight by ignoring the calories on the label. They thought if they just didn't ignore, pay attention to the calories. We all have good intentions. You've heard it said that they say a habit is formed if you practice it for 21 days, it becomes a part of your life. And so you think about 2020, you think about all these things. In fact, I got a great email this week from a, a family in our church who's teenager, took my challenge last year, and I think out on the eye table, and I forgot to make sure they're out there. There are read through the Bible uh, little folders, but uh, all through 2019, every night after he finished his homework, he spent 30 minutes and he read through the Bible all the way through in 2019. And he'll be here in second service, but uh, I was pretty excited about that. It's just a, a great goal. It's something to do. D did you set some New Year's resolutions? Not sure any of the guys that showed up to the men's breakfast yesterday did, because we, we asked to talk about New Year's resolutions and nobody said anything. We all just kind of looked at the ground. But uh, you think about it, I, I, how, how will you complete them? You start the year, you talk with your, your, uh, your spouse, you talk with your family, you talk to your friends, you say, this is what I'm going to do, and then you kind of share it with them, and it starts to happen. I, I looked up some of the, the quotes over the years that, that were shared with me by coaches or teachers, whoever. I, I wrote them on the, uh, the, the screen for you. The first one, is it even going? Do we have a, okay. Um, no, it's, uh, keep going. It's, what, the next one, there you go. If, it's up, if it is to be, one, one more back. If it is to be, it's up to me. You remember that one? Didn't you ever hear your teachers say that or your coaches? So you kind of start 2020 and you go, if it, if it is to be, it's up to me. Then the, the second one is, uh, and this is by Abraham Lincoln, folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. And you kind of fit as you're starting up uh, 2020. And then the last one is, if you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you'll hit. And so you kind of start out the year and you go, okay, I'm an, I've got all these ideas, but if you have no ideas, then there's a pretty good chance you're just going to kind of get through 2020 like you did in 2019. You probably remember some of the ones you've heard. I want to direct us this first Sunday of January, January 5th, 2020, to a passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to the 16th chapter, and we're going to um, keep your finger there because we're going to kind of flip around a little bit, but kind of a history lesson of what was going on in 2 Chronicles 16. Israel was going through a time of normal living, with all kinds of kings surrounding areas outside of Jerusalem, and, and they were kind of warring back and forth. They were having problems. They were trying to take over new territory all around the outside. The Israel, the nation of Israel had located one place, and some of the other tribes had located other places to kind of stake down their territory. 
King Asa, the king of Judah, he comes on the scene in a very different way from his predecessors. Lots of history about Judah and Israel and all the things going on, how they were pitted against each other. But before we get to 16, and I, I told you chapter 14, but real quickly, see on the screen behind you, chapter 14 gives you a little bit of insight into Asa's life. So chapter 14 on the screen behind you says, and, and Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king, and, and listen to this, and in his days, the country was at peace for 10 years. You don't always understand, I'm going to keep reading the scripture, but you don't always get the total picture of who we're studying in the Old and New Testament, but we get some really good insights about Asa through these verses. Uh, verse 2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. We understand all kinds of things about Asa, and I put them on the screen for you real quickly. Let's look through them. He followed his father, Abijah. So that just simply means that he inherited the kingdom. There wasn't anything grand about that one, but he, he, fathered, he followed his father. His country was at peace for 10 years, a big thing in those days. A lot, of, a lot of activity was going on all through that. But Asa stepped up, and because he did some things you're going to see farther on, they were at peace. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Remember, he was king of Judah at this time, outside of the nation of Israel. So it was hard for him to do that because there were so many things going on. It was like he had a bunch of New Year's resolutions and removed all kinds of false altars right away. The minute he became king, you, you heard in those verses, he took everything out of the kingdom, all the things that were false, all, they were worshiping things that were wrong, and then he instructed his kingdom to seek the Lord and obey his laws and commands. Now remember, they were at peace for 10 years. Interesting. He removed the most strategic altars as well. I did a study on when it kept saying he removed the altars from the high places, the Asherah poles from the high places. And what that means is that as he did that, he would, uh, those were the strategic places in his city that when you'd come in, you would see those Asherah poles. And as you see those Asherah poles, he took them out because now as people came into the city, he, uh, they, they were, it was removed. By the way, before I forget, I see some of the Anderson family here, and it was Brent that did the reading through the Bible. So we're, we're really pleased about that. And, uh, we're excited. Anyway, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He, put, he took the things in the high places. that were. I remember when I was first in ministry, back in the 80s, in, in the Clackamas area, a new church came in, and I'll never forget, because in those days, when a new church came in, it was in the paper. It was on TV. Do you remember those days? Remember those days when they actually looked at like what, what the church stood for was pretty good? And so they would be excited about the start of a new church? So I'll never forget the, the guy that was on there, and he had started this church in a drive through on Powell, and they moved it over to Sunnyside Road. He said, we're going to put a cross on the top of this church so it can be seen for miles. So as people drive down the freeway, and as they drive down the roads here, they're going to see the cross, and it's going to remind them of who they live for. And I like that. That was a lot like Asa. He, he said, okay, I see that, the, that my, my kingdom is worshiping the wrong way, and so I'm going to take all these poles out of the high places, these false gods and worshiping, and remove it. Because he really said to his kingdom, you, do, you obey the laws and commands of the Lord your God. Made a great start. But the thing that stands out to me this morning is that, that his, his reign for those 10 years, because he took it so seriously, was at peace. The areas that he addressed are many of the same areas we need to address. Removing altars that are against God. Obey the Lord. Get rid of all the things that have the center of our lives and wills as we live for Him. 
Now we jump to the 16th chapter. So King Asa reigned for 41 years. For those 41 years, the first 10 were peaceful, and the rest were filled with war and strife and protecting the kingdom. In the midst of his reign, Asa made a tactical error, and he formed an alliance with the enemy. The kingdom of Judah was located at this time outside of Jerusalem, had a strategic area to defend and to live in, and he panicked and went to king. And the reason I mention this is because Ben-Hadad, the Armenian king, who was not a part of the nation of Israel. But he, wanted, he went to him to, draw, to, to form an alliance because he said, we got to protect everybody around us. Asa knew good and well that God was his protector, that God provided everything for him and his people. And yet he went to this other king and said, I need you. Because we see in the nation of Israel, we see over and over and over again the power of God. The power of God was with them in battle after battle, in situation after situation. He delivered them from captivity. He, he came through with the promises that he gave to them. And yet, and the way I put it is, so to stray from God seemed like such a stupid thing to do. To stray from God seemed like such a stupid thing to do. And yet people and rulers did it all the time. Asa makes the bad decision, and Hananiah, who's a prophet of the time, uh, just a, they called him a seer, but he was from God, he comes to Asa, and he shares with him some of the most profound truths in chapter 16 and verse 9 in the Bible that we've ever seen in the Bible. Three things I want to share with you this morning. The first one is God's perspective. God's perspective, and I wrote it on the, the screen behind you, for the eyes of the Lord, this is the verse we're looking at, range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I want to focus on for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. The first thing he pointed out was God's perspective. He's looking out for us. He's watching. One translation said his eyes range to and fro throughout the earth. He's always alert and watching for us. We're starting 2020. We are beginning our year, and it's a good reminder and a good promise to know that he's watching out for us. And I think about that this morning. That's either comforting to you this morning or it's terrifying to you. Because if you're not living where you should be, you're going to be terrified knowing that God is always watching out for you. Or if you're in the midst of just living life and, and serving Him and enjoying Him, God's watching out for you. When we were growing up, my folks would always tell me, like when, when, when I would go out like for an activity or a date or something, I knew for a fact that and they would not go to sleep until I got home. And, and it was a great deterrent to stay out late. And I wasn't a, a, a wild guy, but it, it just seriously, I would be out and I knew my curfew, and I knew that the first thing, I knew my... In a sense, my parents were watching out over me. And so when I got through with whatever I was doing, I would walk into their bedroom and I'd say, hey, I'm home. And right away, my mom would go, thank you, good night. And they'd go right to sleep. I kind of see that as, as God's concern for us. He knows we're out there. He's watching out for us. And it isn't so much that we have to check in every time, but it is kind of nice to be able to say, you know what, God, thank you. And just to know that he is looking out for us. Listen to David. David, who went through all kinds of things in his life, in Psalm 33, he says this, verses 13 to 15. From the heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do, and then jump right to the next screen, which is verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. He's looking out for us. He desires to see us follow through on a plan. From God's perspective, his, his great love, in His great love, He's looking out for us. Brings us to the second point this morning. God's purpose. Same verse, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. 
It's one thing to know that God's looking out for us. It's another great thing to know that he's looking to strengthen us. It would be amazing if, and some of the, the theologians of yesteryear would tell you, you know, God's a very impersonal God. He's not connected to the world at all. But when he tells us through this Hananiah's message, and he says, you know what, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, seeking to strengthen he, his desires for us to get stronger. If you're looking, at, and, and we haven't even gotten to the title of the message yet today because it's going to fit in as we, we close our time. But if you're looking today just to exist through 2020 and do very, be very, not very different from 2019, you'll be great at it because you're really good at it. But God, whose eyes are watching out for us, who's alert for what we're doing, seeks to strengthen us. Another quick story. When I was in seventh grade, I lived in a little town outside of Billings, Montana called Lockwood. And Lockwood was a very tiny little community, and they had a school that went from grade one to grade nine. That was the whole school. And my dad was a pastor of a church just around the corner from the school, and so uh, my seventh grade year, we went there. <clears throat> I met a gentleman by the name of Coach DeLulu, who I'll never forget. In a little school, some of you who are coaches or retired coaches or uh, teachers, he did everything. That's all the money they had. So he was the cross-country coach. We didn't have football. Well, the ninth graders played a little bit, but not very much. We, he did cross-country, he did basketball, he did track, he did any other things, that, but, but he was the coach. He was an ex-boxer. And so his training methods were incredible. And one of the things he would do for us, and I, my first part of seventh grade year, I was <clears throat> astounded when he said, okay, today we're going to do some conditioning, and I have each one of you carry a, a spare tire, not with the middle of it, you know, and put it around your waist, and I'm going to drop you off in the country, and you're going to run back for five miles. And I thought, What? And so we all got in these cars, and he got in a Jeep, and we drove out five miles. Now, now imagine some of you parents are, you know, we're all overprotective of our kids. We went out in the middle of nowhere outside of Billings, Montana. He drops us off, and we put the tires around, and they're heavy, and we take off running. I thought, nobody's going to do it. And just as I start to run a little bit, one of the older guys says, look up on the hill. And there was Coach DeLulu up on the hill with his binoculars going, are you running? Now, here's what happened. We did that probably ten times. We did it where we would do these little bleacher drills. Some of you coaches remember, you used to have your players run up and down the bleachers. We had to carry those stupid tires. We had to know them like they were our best friends. We weren't very good athletes. But when we played basketball in seventh grade, we would just wait for the other team to tire out because we weren't tired. We were strengthened. I mean, we, seriously, if they were just about our level, we knew we were going to beat them in the fourth quarter because we were in so, so much better shape. We just ran circles around. We couldn't score, but we could run circles around. And I see that God has this idea in your life and mine that he wants to strengthen us. But here's what I think happens. Either sometimes we go, I, uh, I don't want to do that, God. That's too hard. You're asking too much of me. Or, God, you don't really understand what I'm, I'm up against. I'm, I've really got a lot of difficulties and a lot of trials and a lot of you know, things in my life. I just can't. You, and all he sits up there and says is, his eyes are ranging throughout the earth, sinking, seeking to strengthen us. So if you want to start 2020 and you want to be strengthened, that's God's plan. Listen to Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Remember this verse? This is one that, that I love to, to share. The promise that God's purpose is to strengthen us, he will help us, and he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. And yet, we mess up. The third thing, our position. Our position. We understand that what God 
talks to us about is his eyes range throughout the earth seeking to strengthen us. And you see this, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Today's message, what's your 20? And as old as I am, I remember in my earlier days, a lot of times you'd hear the police officers talking about a 1020. What's your location? Where are you at? And we don't talk, about, we don't talk that way anymore. We are so far beyond all those little terms. But, but a 1020 means, where are you at? And so in, in any kind of an investigation, they'd want to know where these people were at. Where were they located? And I look at this this morning, it reminds me of the reality that, that sometimes we're in the wrong place. So when he says, what's your 20? And he's asking us, he said, your purpose is, we can set all the resolutions we want before I get there, but if our hearts aren't fully committed, eventually nothing happens or we go right back to the original location and accomplish nothing. If our hearts aren't fully committed, we're not, feeling, we're not looking at his plan seriously. So, so we take that and we go, okay, my location is, man, I want to do what's best for you in 2020, Lord, I can't wait. And I look at King Asa and he was excited to see all this until he made that mistake in his life. And suddenly God sends his prophet to him and says, Asa, here's, what, here's what's going to go on. The, the, the thing is, the end of that verse, 16.9, he says, you have done a foolish thing and from now on you will be at war. Because Asa wasn't really taking seriously the fully committed hearts God said to him, okay, this is where you're going to be, and this is how you're going to live. Proverbs 4.23. You're hearing me say a lot of my favorite verses. This is another one. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. This is a great exhortation to live by. Because as we guard our hearts, and we realize that it's, it's our hearts that are going to dictate how we live and what we do, He's telling us in Proverbs to guard them carefully so that as we fully commit ourselves to him, we begin to see him do amazing things in us and through us. If God's will is for us to, is, if God's will for us is to watch over us and strengthen our hearts, our position is to fully commit our hearts to him. But we have to guard them. This, was, this is one of my favorite verses to talk with teenagers about when they're considering dating and marriage, because they just realize it, and, and we see on anything we see on TV, you just give your heart to anybody, and you give your emotional well-being to anybody, and you just kind of say, oh, I sense love, and, and suddenly we haven't guarded our hearts, and now we find ourselves in situations where suddenly the relationships we've entered into are either dictating who we are and who we're not supposed to be, or they've taken us to a completely different way of life that we weren't thinking about. So in, in my years as youth pastor, that was a great discussion we had. Guard your hearts. It's the wellspring of life. Here's what I think is interesting for us as adults. And I look at everybody. I don't care what age you are. You're adults today. If we do not guard our hearts, if we do not allow our, our hearts to be connected and surrounded by God's love and will and purpose and joy and peace and direction, then we're never going to benefit from 2 Corinthians 16.9. Because as he seeks to strengthen our hearts, our hearts aren't committed to him. And the more God tries the less we realize it because we've gone so far off the path, we, we, we aren't even understanding what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. Let me come back to the first part and then we'll finish our message and, and take communion. Asa had 10 years of peace at the beginning of his reign. 10 years of peace. And in those 10 years of peace, he was doing exactly what God asked him to do and it worked and it was working. So my challenge to myself this morning as well as to you is, what are we doing in our lives? What's our 20? What's our location of our hearts this Sunday, January 5th, 2020? 
where God's going to say to us, I've got this great plan and here we go? Or have you given your heart to somebody else or something else? Or to an area where in the high places of your life, those altars are set there so you need to just focus on those instead of saying, Lord, you removed all those. When Asher did that, there's a passage in 2 Chronicles, he took his grandma who was kind of the kind of ruled the roost in the castle, removed her because she was worshiping false gods. That's how fired up he was. And his kingdom was at peace. So if you want peace this morning, and you want to start this next year, this new year, this great opportunity to begin and kind of do things a little differently, then look at what Hananiah says to King Asa and begin to systematically in your life commit your hearts fully to him. Here comes the pastoral question. Where's your heart today? Where's your heart? Is it one where you stand before God and you say, you know what, I, I'm fully committed to you, I can't wait. And, and here's another thing. Some of us are saying our hearts are fully committed, but, but is it fully committed? What are your habits? What are my habits? What words come out of our mouths? What actions do we do? What kind of follow through? What are our priorities? What are the blind spots in our lives where we see nothing of what people around us are telling us? And when we come to that point, and then we start this year and we say, God, our hearts, my heart is fully committed to you, we will begin to see his alertness and his strengthening take place in our hearts and our lives. Real quickly, James 1, 26 and 27, you see it on the screen. It says, if anyone, and again, Two more of my favorite verses. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I want to challenge you this morning as we finish our time to take that last concept of being polluted Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And as you start this year with God, even take time and look at these two verses and say, how does that apply to me? Maybe this afternoon you'll sit and you'll, you'll just write it out. We don't, we don't have time this morning. I would have done it for you, but I want to finish our time this morning by coming to the Lord's table. But as you think about that today, fully committed hearts is what we want to say to people. That's our 20. That's our location. We're going to pray and then Aaron's going to lead us through and the communion and the worship team is going to come. Lord, thank you this morning for... Uh, your love. Thank you for your plan and your purpose. And Lord, I pray today that, that we take the words from Second Chronicles 16, 9, the first part of that, and say, you know what? First of all, thank you that you are alert and you are watching out for us. And maybe for some of us this morning, that's exactly the promise we need to hear from, from you about. We need to be able to see that you, are, you love us and you, your desire is to strengthen us. And as you strengthen our hearts, you help us to realize that it happens when we are fully committed to you. So God, would you just continue to speak as we have this time together and be able to help us to just, just sense your presence. Thanks, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we've promised the college that we won't take the elements into their nice seats. Um, so as most of you know, we'll have you come down here or there's a table. I'm not sure which side it is. Is it up there on this side? But uh, we want to just help you guys prepare um, your hearts this morning. And so I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, 
After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, If you don't feel in the right place this morning to take communion, that's okay. If you don't feel like you're ready or or your heart's not in the right place, we're not keeping track so you can stay where you're at. Um, But for those who come down to the table, um, I wanted to just kind of um, give you a direction this morning to kind of go. So absolutely remember Jesus, the sacrifice, his body, his blood, confess, give thanks for all of those things. Um, but what I wanted to, to point out is, is that this blood was poured out for all. Um, and so we remember that we're remembering that God gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So as we re- remember that, as you reflect on Christ and reflect on these elements, remember that you are holding the, the gospel in your hands. You are holding the good news of Jesus Um, the sacrifice of God, the love of God, um, and the good news of Jesus you're holding in your hands. And this is the message that the whole world needs to hear, um, that everyone needs to know. And so as we start this new year, as we think about our hearts and where our hearts are and where our hearts are aligned, um, we would like you guys to just kind of focus this morning on realigning your heart and refocusing on the mission. You're holding the mission in your hands. And so um, in light of what God has done for you, how will you give yourself this year? How will you give your heart to God's mission for your life? So kind of just focus on those things as you come to the table. Realign your heart, realign um, your life with the mission of Jesus. So I'll pray, and then the ushers will um, uh, have... uh, release you guys to come down. Lord, thank you for um, John's message, and thank you for this scripture, and thank you for um, the sacrament, Lord, and to come to your table and to remember you and to realign ourselves with you. And so um, I just pray that you would speak to every heart individually this morning, wherever we're at, Lord, draw us to you. Let us realign our hearts and our missions and our minds and our lives with you. Um, at the start of this year, Lord, and we just we just give it all to you. So thank you for this morning. Well, that's our desire as we come into this this new year, this time of just reflection. Again, I pray that our hearts would be surrendered to you this year, that you could do more in us than we could even imagine. That's what your word says, that you'll do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could even ask or imagine. Lord, that's what we're trusting for this next year, and So as we commit our hearts to you and as we leave today, this place, let us go not unchanged, but let us go walking in the spirit and believing that you're going to bring about the change in our lives that needs to happen as we trust you, as we walk with you. Thank you, God, that you love us the way we are. You say, come as you are. You don't leave us that way. Lord, you want to make us like you, and that's what we want, Jesus. So we commit our hearts to you, and as we leave today, we commit our lives to you to walk in step with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great week.